Vibes podcast with your host and registered dietitian, Lauren McCarthy. This podcast was created to bring awareness about gut health and how nutrition has the transformational power to help restore and bring balance to your body. Welcome back and thank you for tuning in. Today's episode, I'll discuss the gut barrier and how intestinal permeability is a potential root cause to disease. As a reminder to everyone listening, this podcast is not intended to diagnose or to treat, but to share and educate on gut health. I hope to give insight and new perspectives on discussions to have with healthcare professionals so that you may be on your path to recovery. An overview of today's topics, I want to briefly go over what the gut barrier is, the purpose, and more in-depth on intestinal permeability, commonly known as leaky gut, along with associated disorders and conditions that are linked and associated with intestinal permeability, common assessment and testing techniques and specific biomarkers. And then we will finish out with how we can regulate the gut permeability with diet, prebiotics, probiotics, and other factors to support that gut barrier. The intestinal permeability is another category of gut imbalances, as we discussed in the previous episodes kind of focusing on that DIGEN model. We did digestion absorption last episode, and so digging into intestinal permeability today. The gut barrier is made up of intestinal epithelial cells and intercellular tight junctions. The main function is to maintain systemic homeostasis or balance through the absorption of nutrients, water, ions, and then resisting infection and bacterial toxins. When we have increased permeability, commonly known as that leaky gut, we have an alteration and sometimes on a more severe level, destruction of the gut intestinal barrier, which interacts with our microbiome, our immune cells, and neuroimmune system. So this term is used loosely to just reflect any type of intestinal barrier dysfunction. Looking back at the STAIN model of stress, toxins, food reactions, infections, and nutritional deficiencies, common drugs and lectins from our dietary intake can alter barrier functions and create gaps. So think of your fingers are interlaced together as tight as you can. And over time, if there's certain factors that are exposed to the gut barrier that tend to uh, weaken it, they're going to start pulling your fingers apart and creating gaps in those junctions and gut barrier. So then food reactions even malnutrition, malabsorption, dysbiosis, inflammation, and other immune responses will start to occur. This becomes a cyclic pattern because the more you're exposed to food reactions and that immune response is stimulated, it's a hamster wheel. This over time can lead to increased chronic inflammation and systemic conditions. There are stress disorders such as excessive endurance exercise, the use of NSAID drugs, pregnancy, and the ingestion of bile acid emulsifiers that may increase intestinal permeability. Dietary factors can reverse intestinal permeability and mucosal damage in those stress disorders. Studies have shown that even with dietary factors, the GI disease may not be cured 
by balancing this gut barrier, but it does help to alleviate signs and symptoms. Research is still further ongoing as we dig more into the function and its impact on our overall health. So leaky gut is associated with celiac, Crohn's, asthma, autism, eczema, psoriasis, food intolerances, fibromyalgia, IBS, IBD, migraines, multiple sclerosis, non-alcoholic liver disease, Parkinson's, type 2 diabetes, and depression. When there is a leaky gut, those lipopolysaccharides, which I'm going to refer to as LPS, tend to cross from that gut barrier into our bloodstream. With increased LPS, they have been shown to be associated with autism, autoimmune disease, depression, IBS, IBD, diabetes, neuropathy, obesity, schizophrenia, metabolic syndrome, and more. Common symptoms are pain, diarrhea, and bloating. And the intestinal barrier consists of epithelial cells, tight junctions, that mucosal layer, which is produced by goblet cells, which plays a critical role in barrier homeostasis. For assessment and testing, as of right now, there's no gold standard for testing on barrier function. But there are types of testing that have shown to be great indicators and biomarkers to look further into to see if there might be any other underlying causes or effects. In vivo is orally administered molecules such as saccharides. These are known as like a sugar test with lactulose, which is a large molecule, and mannitol, which is a small molecule. This test is you would consume a solution with these molecules, and depending on how they're excreted in your urine will determine how permeable your gut barrier is. Now, it's not 100% accurate, but it does give a good insight on if those larger molecules are crossing that gut barrier, then there may be some indication of leaky gut. Also, there's in vitro testing, which uses mucosal biopsies or stool samples to look even further into those biomarkers looking at gut permeability and other GI disorders. Common markers are fecal calprotectin. This is a marker that helps evaluate the disease activity. LPS or LPS antibodies, zonulin and zonulin antibodies, occluding citrulline and diamine oxide. A few brands that I know that do stool testing is Genova Diagnostics. They have a GI effects comprehensive panel. Vibrant America has a gut zoomer and Thorne has gut intelligence. I personally have done the gut zoomer and it was so extensive. I know Genova is similar as well, but it looked at my complete microbiome all the way down to numerous species of good and bad bacteria. Those biomarkers, it looked at if I had any parasites, viruses, pathogens, and so, so, so much more. It was very insightful and that test on top of some GI signs and symptoms I was experiencing is what encouraged me to go find another GI doctor because I hadn't been to one in a couple years since my last colonoscopy about three years ago. He reviewed all those and um, I'll be sharing kind of my journey with that in future episodes once I get all those results back. Those are just a few assessment and testing techniques that you can kind of go into yourself. You can find a healthcare practitioner 
that um, offers those tests. And then the biopsies are obviously done with a GI specialist that will get those once they're doing a colonoscopy or an endoscopy for that small intestine. If you're here in Texas, you can always reach out to me via email. Um, I do have access or connections with um, healthcare providers that do offer this type of testing. A study done by Bischoff and his associates on intestinal permeability, a new target for disease prevention and therapy. I Highly recommend that you go to the link in my episode summary to find this article if you want to nerd out and read more about the science behind intestinal permeability. But I'm just going to kind of give the summary of what you could potentially like apply um, if you feel like this might be helpful. They were looking at regulating gut permeability by diet, prebiotics, and probiotics. So looking at your diet, Just how you respond is dependent on the individual's genetic influence to factors and their personal intestinal microbiota. So if someone has a really diverse, high culture count of really good microorganisms and good bacteria, they're probably going to respond a little bit better than one that has, um, that is experiencing dysbiosis. So that has really low diversity or really small um, count in those bacteria numbers. That does have a big role to play on how one's diet can be, can influence intestinal permeability. Also, if you're eating a Western diet, the high processed, high fat, very low in fiber, fruits and vegetables and lean proteins. And if you have an energy rich, high fat diet, these are associated with an increase in permeability. So when I say increase permeability, that almost sounds like a positive thing, but think about it like that gap junction I was speaking of earlier. If you have those closed knit fingers really, really tight together, and if you're increasing permeability, that gap is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, allowing more toxins, more bacteria to go through that gut barrier. Vitamin A deficiency is associated with an increased risk to infection and this permeability. Also, it's associated with reduced small bowel villus height. So those are the little finger-like projections from the colon and the small intestine that um, increase surface area so that we can absorb the most of those nutrients, water, and ions from our dietary intake. And they also have a lot to do with an inflammatory response as well. Vitamin D deficiency is a common characteristic of IBD. As a reminder, IBD is inflammatory bowel disease. And also vitamin D deficiency has the ability to potentially compromise the mucosal barrier, leading to increased risk of mucosal damage. So short-chain fatty acids such as acetate, propionate, butyrate and validate. They are produced from our microbiome after digesting and fermenting those dietary carbohydrates in our colon, but they are great because they assist in the maintenance and the structural integrity of our gut barrier. If one has a butyrate deficiency, it is also to be associated with tight junction damage and impaired permeability and possible bacteria translocation. That's the moving Um, from one gene or from one location of the body to another. All right. They also um, showed that prebiotics, so not to get confused with probiotics, prebiotics, a simple way to remember prebiotics is think of it as 
food for the bacteria, whereas probiotics are the actual microorganisms. This study showed that prebiotics may have a stabilizing effect on the barrier, mainly in the sense of encouraging that mucosal lining. Looking into the probiotics, they found a few probiotic strands to be very beneficial. Um, so there's E. coli nissel. That's not to be confused with like the bad bacteria of E. coli, but they showed to p- potentially prevent barrier disruption. Uh, Bifidobacterium and lactobacillus are the probably the most common strands that have been studied. They both help enhance barrier resistance and um, provide protective effects on the barrier. And so if you want to do more research, um, the specific strand is Lactobacillus planetarum MB452 and L. Romanus. Looking at leaky gut in relation to IBD, a healthy, diverse microbiota can help protect against the development of IBD. Maintaining that intestinal barrier function relies on the interactions between the enteric nervous system, gut immunity, and your gut microbiota. Individuals with IBD often suffer from dysbiosis, leading to chronic severe inflammation and abnormal intestinal permeability. Dysbiosis can reflect any change to the type of bacteria, the diversity of the bacteria, location in the gut, and the quantity. This is confirmed by fecal mucosal microbial analysis, so like a stool sample or through biopsies. Looking at your microbiome, if you are showing a low or reduced bifidobacteria or butyrate producing strains, this is commonly associated with IBD. Butyrate helps promote intestinal barrier function by activating genes for the protein and tight junction assembly. And it's also a main energy source for gut cells known as your colonocytes. Candida albicans is a pro-inflammatory bacteria that provokes IBD flares. Lactobacillus rhamnosus L34 kind of fights against this response to help reduce the intestinal barrier damage, reducing inflammation and improving dysbiosis. Dietary fiber is a great source for good bacteria. If your fiber intake is low, bacteria will begin to utilize the mucus surrounding the intestine, thinning that mucosal layer, increasing risk for infection, inflammation, and the onset of IBD. Factors that are proposed to help support the gut barrier include diet, so avoiding foods that are high in fat and sugar, avoiding energy-dense and that Western-style diet, looking into trying out a FODMAP diet, intake of prebiotic foods and increasing fiber intake, ingesting fermented foods, glutamine, and then even trialing an elimination diet to eliminate dairy, gluten, and sugar. Just note, an elimination diet is not intended to completely remove nutrients permanently, but to be used as a tool to determine which nutrients are potential triggers, foods for inflammation and GI distress. Another factor that has been proposed to support the gut barrier is probiotics. There are selected probiotics, so if you know which strains of bacteria your microbiome is low in, you can take that strain specifically. If it's unknown, there are products out there that have multiple species of those common ones, like I was talking about the bifidobacterium family, the lactobacillus family. 
um, are the common ones in a lot of brands that carry probiotics. And then there's even symbiotics. So that's a combination of both a pre and a probiotic. So it has that food for the bacteria and then the bacteria strands itself. Other potential factors are short chain fatty acids, Q-certain and other flavonoids, aloe vera, vitamin A, D, omega-3, and zinc. Proteolytic enzymes, if you're seeing a physician and have our struggle with diabetes, metformin has been shown to potentially support that gut barrier. And then demulcents are substances that relieve irritation off the mucous membranes by by forming a protective film. And common food sources are okra, seeds like chia, flax, psyllium, cactus, oats, and even a type of marshmallow. Other techniques to help kind of reduce inflammation um, and healing of the gut barrier would be just finding ways to reduce stress and those dietary changes. And just in summary, just increased intestinal permeability is associated with increased immune response, inflammation, and reduced mucosal protection, leading to barrier dysfunction and reduced ability of nutrient absorption and increased risk for infection. So if you do have a concern for your gut health, find a local provider, get some testing done, and then incorporate a few dietary changes under the supervision of a dietitian. Thank you again for joining. This is your host, Lauren. If you have any questions, please email me at hello at thegutvibespodcast.com. Thank you for listening and have a great weekend.